Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week, along with special guest Mercedes Gleason from the Chat Disney podcast, we're going to have a deep dive discussion and conversation all about London in anticipation of the upcoming Star Wars celebration event in Europe this April. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter and Hive at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. We look forward to connecting with you on those platforms. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. Plus, Force Ghost Conversations is on Patreon. If you're a fan of the podcast and would like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store in order to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it is time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of Forest Ghost Conversations. And boy, what a special day this is for the podcast. Not only is it a really special day for the Star Wars brand overall, of course, the season three premiere of The Mandalorian came out today. Bad Batch is also going strong with another episode from its second season. We're releasing another episode today but it's also marking the beginning of two episodes a week until we get through Bad Batch, Mandalorian, uh, Star Wars Celebration. All this stuff is coming up, and, and really we're getting the ball rolling here in this episode with a chat all about tips and tricks and, and what to know, all the important information that you need to have a successful Star Wars Celebration Europe, which is taking place in London at the Excel Center this upcoming April 7th through 10th. So if you're going to the convention, be sure to listen intently to this episode as our guide, Mercedes Gleason from the Chat Disney podcast, one of the co-hosts over there, will be our guide of the person giving us all this these these updates and, and tricks as someone who... Uh, lives and works near the area uh, and has been to the XL Center a few times for various things throughout her life. So be sure to continue on to the other side of our conversation here um, so that uh, you don't miss out on any of the important details that uh, she's going to provide us about food, transportation, other things in London to see. It's all great. It's a great conversation as always with her. And uh, be sure to check out Chat Disney for her own podcast uh, all about Disney and Disney parks and the various brands underneath the Disney umbrella so that you stay up to date with all that. I mean, of course, we try and cover all the Star Wars stuff here, but there's such a massive umbrella of things underneath the Walt Disney Company, especially as it heads into its 100th anniversary celebration this year. And her podcast does an exquisite job at maintaining, uh, uh, keeping it all together uh, and, and making sure that the audience knows what is happening in the world of Disney these days. So that will be on the other side of this break here. Just as a quick housekeeping note, this normally would be the time where we do our 
Cloud City Gossip segment, all the news that's taken place in the Star Wars and Lucasfilm galaxy over the last week. However, because this is a midweek release, we will not be covering any of that this week. It'll be on our Sunday release episode, which I believe may be the Mandalorian Season 3 Episode 1 discussion. Maybe it's Bad Batch Season 2 uh, Episode 11, I think. Don't quote me on that, but it's going to be one of those uh titles for this upcoming Sunday. So get ready for all that. Make sure you're subscribed to Force Ghost Conversations as we're ramping up uh, our content for the upcoming, uh, all the whatever goodness, the season of Star Wars that you want to call it as we uh, head into this great, great time here. So on the other side of this very short break here, we will have our conversation with Mercedes all about London. All right, everyone, welcome back to another installment of Force Ghost Conversations, and I am so thrilled to welcome back to the show returning guest, Mercedes Gleason, a co-host of the Chat Disney podcast. Mercedes, how are you doing today? Hi, Anthony. I'm doing great and even better for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you again for coming back on the show. And it is time to start ramping up for Star Wars Celebration Europe. It's technically in London, but they're saying all Europe. So uh, it's a, just a wonderful time to be a Star Wars fan right now. And I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners are heading to the celebration, heading to the convention. Unfortunately, I am not going to be one of those this year. Had to save up some pennies from going to Celebration last year and also, you know, doing house stuff, all that it's tied up some cash here and there. So for the, those that are fortunate to be able to go this year, I wanted to just do like a 101 breakdown on London, the Excel Center. What can they expect? And I thought of no better guest than to bring you on the show. So thanks again for that, Mercedes. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I'm very excited to dive into this London 101 for the Star Wars Celebration. Perfect. Well, let's get into it here because I imagine that maybe this might be the first time that a lot of people are venturing out to outside of the U.S., frankly, uh, at least for for those that are uh, stationed here in the United States. They live here. So but I wanted to go back to about May of last year when Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim concluded and they announced that the next year, so the following conventions this year's celebration is going to be taking place in the UK and that's where you are based currently and I really wanted to get your thoughts about having celebration in London this year what was your reaction when you first learned that the convention would be taking place in your home country in your backwoods so to speak well shock I would say at first (laughs) very good shock a nice surprise I guess I think that it's really interesting to me actually if we look at the Walt Disney Company as a whole not just Lucasfilm or or even Star Wars I feel like we're getting a lot of recognition by the Walt Mm. Disney community at the moment which I'm loving and also by the Walt Disney Company so as a huge fan you know of Star Wars and and Disney myself it's amazing and there's actually a new division now called Disney Disney Parks UK, which is a really big deal. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, really awesome. And it's basically, um, it's it's marketing for Disneyland Paris, Walt Disney World and the Disney Cruise because they're typically the experience that British people, the experiences that British people partake in the most. Um, and we have like this amazing competition running at the moment where they're trying to pick 10 lucky UK fans to go and do like a big tour around the world of all the Disney parks. We've got a big Disney 100 exhibition uh, coming to London this winter. I believe it's only going to four cities and one of them is London which is amazing and um, there's a Disney 100 concert at the O2 in in London um this June which myself and my fellow co-host Tash are going to and there's also this weird kind of QR code virtual experience taking place in London in May for the Disney 100 as well so there's loads of really cool stuff that the Disney company are doing for us in the UK that we've just never had before so this Star Wars celebration being a massive part of that as well is just really really cool as a fan. Wow. I wish listeners could see my face right now because as soon as you say that there's going to be a 100th anniversary concert at the O2 Arena, wow. Do, do you know any more about it, right? Like, do you know a set list? Do you, did they like say some of the, the stuff that's going to be, uh, who's conducting it? Is it at the London Symphony? What's what's the deal about that? I mean, I'm going off script here already, but I, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah, so I'm I am going, and so I probably should know more about it than I do. Um, and it's my birthday weekend as well, so it's just like perfect. I know, right? Um, I know that it is an orchestra. I'm not sure if it's the London Philharmonic or if it's another. I imagine it's probably them. I know that it's um various different soundtracks from Disney movies. I expect we'll get some jo- yeah. um some John Williams in there. I expect we'll get some Hans Zimmer as well. Um, and then of course, you know, I'm imagining like Fantasia, but then also probably some of the newer stuff, the Renaissance stuff as well, probably a bit of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, who knows? Um, yeah, but yeah, really, really cool. And again, I think that that concert is touring, but it's only at select cities. So we're very lucky to get that in London. Yeah. And uh, I mean, London is just a, such a central hub for entertainment to begin with. Like, could you imagine the guest list that they could have on display? Like they could easily bring out like a Susan Egan uh, out to and like just have a ball that night. Wow, I'm so thrilled for you. I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, I, I assume you'll probably have a full deep dive on your on your podcast eventually when uh, <clears throat> when you're able to uh, see that show. But yeah, that sounds incredible. Like it sounds like the UK is the epicenter for a lot of Disney 100 celebrations. And I forgot too that it is the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company this year, and of now with Lucasfilm a part of that. It just makes sense. I didn't even think of that last year that all this would be happening. Uh, that's incredible. So that's, that's, that's wild. I, I'm very excited for, for you. And, and I hope our listeners at home get also uh, check out your podcast afterwards. So they can follow along with that journey too. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Absolutely. So like I said before, from the conversations that I'm seeing online, this celebrations event, let's just call it, is maybe the first time that a lot of people are traveling outside of the United States here. And I think I've been to London before, uh, but it was in like 2008. (laughs) So it's been quite some time. But I had great fond memories of being there and just being in the UK overall for a couple uh, a couple of days. Uh, And I think it's a great destination for anybody that's, you know, it's their first time traveling outside the US. You know, there's not really a language barrier. They'll be able to get around pretty easily, I think. But aside from the Star Wars of it all, what are some of like the big tourist sites or attractions that are a must do for those that are coming to England for the first time? 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many, right? So I guess like the kind of traditional <laughs> historical attractions, because I think when US um, travelers are coming to the UK, the historical stuff is kind of the really appealing stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've got things like the Tower of London, which yeah. now is just home to the Queen's Jewels, but used to be where like beheadings would take place. So that's mm-hmm. quite cool. Um, we've got like the London Eye, which is amazing for views, the Shard as well. We've got Buckingham Palace as well, which is obviously was the Queen's residence, but um, now the King, I believe, lives there with his Queen Consort. And we've also got quite a lot of Disney stuff as well. So obviously the West End is kind of the second biggest theatre entertainment, uh, you know, landmark in the world behind Broadway Um, and right now like just thinking about Disney we've got Mary Poppins, Beauty and the Beast, Frozen and Hamilton all showing in London's West End and as I say that's just Disney but there's lots of other amazing musicals on as well Um, it's also home to the last remaining Disney store in the UK which is very sad Um, all of our Disney stores closed down a couple of years ago um, in favour of like basically an online model shop Mm -hmm. Disney and we have one Disney store now on Oxford Street in in London so yeah great shopping destination plus there's a Disney store and if you really you know if you've been to London before you want something a little bit less busy um you can get a one hour train to Brighton which is where I live um it's a seaside town on the coast that's where Tash and I live and it's a very vibrant creative city a little bit like San Francisco Nice. Well, that sounds great. And I hope that a lot of our uh, the people that are going to the convention are able to check out some of the stuff. The London Eye is definitely a must do. Like that's a that's a bucket list experience for a lot of people. The Tower of London as well. Even just to see the the jewels of the royal family are, are incredible. And even in my time back uh, when I was there, I actually got to see a show on the West at the West End. And I saw Wicked with the original cast there. Uh, and I hated it, but <laughs> that was that was me being a 13 year old. So <laughs> sorry, say that. <laughs> still, still going strong, wicked as well, which is crazy. Um, yeah, still on in London's West End. Very good, very good. Well, if you're a fan of Wicked, I know this isn't a Wicked cast, but if it is, uh, if you are a fan of Wicked, then by all means go check that out, as well as the many other plays that are and musicals that are going on down there. It's, I mean, it's really money well spent every time, frankly, because of the production values and all that stuff. It's it's out of this world quality compared. I mean, it's it's the same level as Broadway. Let's be honest; it's really great. Um, so the convention itself will be taking place at the Excel Center. What can you share about that venue and the area around it that will be helpful for our listeners who will be in attendance? Cool. So I've been to the Excel a couple of times for work things. And also um, I went to a wedding show there, which was hell. Um, there we are. Um, so yeah, I mean, first things that you need to know is that it's massive. Um, it can be quite overwhelming. I don't know if the Star Wars celebration is going to be the entire venue because it is ginormous. Um, I mean, I imagine so. I imagine there's people flying from all over the world, so it makes sense. But yeah, that's the first thing. It is massive. So um, just take that into consideration. It's in East London. It's quite near Canary Wharf, um, which is our sort of business district. All that's mm-hmm. around there is is kind of skyscrapers. And it's one of those kind of areas that if you go to Canary Wharf like at the weekend, for example, there's no one around. Like I don't even think the stores open at the weekend because it is very much the kind of banking um, epicenter 
centre of London. Um, so there's not really an awful lot going around. East London mm. um, generally is really up and coming. I've got a lot of friends that have moved to East London. It's where the Olympics were in 2012. And they've oh, kind cool. of turned, yeah, really cool. They've they've turned the Olympic Village into like living space, basically. Um oh, yeah. So one of my friends actually lives in an apartment that like the Swedish rowing team stayed in during the Olympics. That's his home now. And um, so, yeah, I mean, East London is really up and coming. But in terms of like, if you're a tourist, it's probably not a hot destination. So you're probably not going to spend very much time there um, apart from the convention at the Excel. And um, the closest airport as well, I should mention to the Excel is London City Airport, mm. which um it's really expensive to fly into because it's a, quite a new airport and it's only really kind of business professionals that use it so if you are flying into london from overseas definitely fly into either gatwick or heathrow they're really well connected to london i wouldn't recommend flying into london city unless you find like an amazing deal because it is very expensive wow wow so it sounds like it uh, the convention takes place from friday to monday and for Saturday, Sunday, it sounds like it might be like a bit of a ghost town in regards to anybody that's not there for the convention. But for first time goers, that might be to their benefit in a way, like no extra added traffic, no confusion. Like clearly, I think a lot of people will be in cosplay. You'll be able to pinpoint who else is going to the convention if you have questions or run into problems i think you can probably find a community that's going to the exact same place doing the same thing right does that that's sound right to you yeah absolutely as i say there's not going to be like workers and in in the pandemic especially a lot of people moved out of the city and they just mm. come in for work now and um, that's what i do i just go into london once a week now it's just much right. easier so yeah east london especially that sort of area canary wharf and and where the convention center is you're not gonna it's, it's, it's only gonna be star wars celebration attendees <laughs> i would say Nice. It'll be like its own little bubble in a way, just a bunch of people celebrating all the cool that is Star Wars. Definitely. Definitely. Great. So what is like the transportation system around the Excel Center? How how can people expect to get to and from or what does it look like there? I mean, give us the whole spiel about it. <laughs> oh, so in London, you've got two kind of main, aside from taxis and Ubers, obviously, you've got two kind of methods of public transport. So you've got buses, and then you've got the London Underground or the Tube, as it's sometimes called. And everyone pretty much gets the Tube. Um, hmm. Not that many people get buses in London. And the Excel Centre is really, really well connected. So you've got the um, DLR, which is the Docklands Light Railway. That's like a form of tube line it's kind of a little bit different to the tube but yeah. i won't go into that <laughs> um but yeah so the dlr stops at the excel we've also got a brand new um london underground line now a new tube line called the elizabeth line it was named after um our late queen and it's amazing you can basically get from reading which is like a town far far to um the west and then also essex which is far along on the east and you can basically get there in like an hour and a half and previously it would take you like three hours i think if you traveled across london so nice. this amazing new line it's really good i think you can get from one side of london to the other in like half an hour it's really really cool um and that stops at the excel so that's definitely gonna go in your favor and if you're looking for accommodation that's like a little bit more affordable 
I would definitely look at like Essex or Reading or somewhere that's on that Elizabeth line, probably Essex, to be honest with you, because we're talking about East London. Mm -hmm. You might be able to find a hotel that's like not in London, but it's on that Elizabeth line. And then it's going to be way more connected. You can get in really easily. But yeah, I mean, transport in London is ace. It's similar to like New York or whatever. It's really, really easy. We have Uber, we have taxis. Um, So yeah, should be really straightforward. Excellent. Yeah, that's that sounds like it's going to be pretty simple for people to maneuver, especially with those that don't come from cities with a lot of public transportation. It sounds like the the system is user friendly in a way. Plus, there are the familiar taxis and Ubers in case that they need to get around. And yeah. the Elizabethan uh, uh, line, the Elizabeth line sounds uh, like a very smart addition to the London public transportation system. I mean, uh, I know I had, uh, or I, I know people that have gone to like the, the Reading Music Festival out there, out yes, in Reading. I've been, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Very cool. Um, and uh, I've heard uh, some nightmare stories about trying to get out there. Uh, so it sounds like that'll also help for another thing too, that, you know, <laughs> all yeah, fun like, stuff. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Mercedes, I bet people are wondering at home and it's time to get really into the I would say the best part of this discussion in some ways. But let's get into some food talk here. London is known worldwide for having an amazing culinary scene. And what are some of the restaurants or even specific types of foods even uh, that visitors should look to have while visiting London? Oh, the best question. You know, I'm a massive foodie, so I love these questions. Um, The first thing I would say is it's so dependent on your preferences and your budget. So I would definitely check out something like Time Out online. And that's going to have a list of like, you know, the best dishes under £10 and the best places to go for fine dining. That's going to be a really good way to navigate. Um, Yeah, I always use Time Out when I go on holiday and it's really, really good for London. Mm. In terms of my preferences, um, <laughs> we have a lot of food markets in London and I love a food market so, so much. Um, some that really stand out are Borough Market, which is near the Shard and that's kind of, it's central London, but it is more towards the east side and um, that's amazing. And there you're going to find the Hotel Chocolat restaurant. So Hotel Chocolat is a chain of chocolate shops that we have in London. They actually have, or in the UK, I should say, they actually have a restaurant in London and everything is cooked with cacao. So you'll have like a cacao burger or like a steak that's got cacao sauce. It's amazing. Um, Box Park is another really popular one. And again, that is East London. So that's going to be really handy for um, the convention. And you can get really amazing kind of street food there and things like poutine Mm. and bao bun and all my favorites and then Chinatown as well is legendary so again central London really really popular on TikTok right now it's kind of gone viral which is always cool and there's a chain as well in London called Ping Pong which is amazing dim sum and there's loads of those dotted around so definitely recommend Ping Pong and if you want like that kind of uh, like real Instagram aesthetic kind of cafe. Um, we have a few. So there's Peggy Portion, which is near Victoria. There's a chain called Elan. I think there's like four or five of those. And there's also a really gorgeous um, kind of boutique restaurant called Sketch, which is also mm. really good. Um, the restaurant that I've not been to yet that I really want to is Bao in Soho. I love Bao buns. I cannot get enough of them. Mm. And Bao in Soho is meant to be ace. And then in terms of kind of, what to have obviously the traditional British dishes 
things like fried breakfast, you've got to have that. Your hotel will probably give you that for free, let's be honest. Um, and then fish and chips, if you do make the journey down to Brighton or any of our coastal towns, fish and chips is a big one. But interestingly, and this will be a fun uh, task for you, Anthony, do you happen to know what the national dish of England is? I mean, I could take a stab at a few uh, few options that come to mind here. Of course, I you know naturally one would think fish and chips, but I don't think it's that one. So I'm going to go slightly different here. And this may be a left field, you know, answer here, but I'm going to put my chips down on eel pie. Interesting. Interesting. It's actually not. I think it's even more left field than you're probably expecting. Wow. Okay. The national dish, I think this is of England. It might be the UK, is a chicken tikka masala curry. Really? What? Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it's delicious. So like go for it but really really weird so apparently it's like it's the nation's favorite dish and i think it actually although it's obviously it's indian cuisine i think it actually originates from the uk a chicken tikka masala Mm. um how wild is that and fun fact um disneyland paris has just opened a new restaurant in the disney village called the uh the royal pub and it serves up british cuisine um it looks a little bit questionable if i'm being honest but it does have a chicken tikka masala on the menu (laughs) Interesting. Wow. I mean, you've been to Epcot recently. Does the UK Pavilion have chicken tikka masala on the menu? Do you know what? It doesn't. But what I would say is if any listeners that have been to Epcot and had the fish and chips, they are very authentic. Are they? Well, listeners, you've heard it here that go get the fish and chips because it's probably as close to England as you can get on this side of the on this side of the pond. Wow. Yeah. I, I've even heard too that Bao is uh, an incredible restaurant. Like that's even hit our scene over here uh, as to the culinary masterpiece that it is. So if you get the chance, definitely let me know how you think one day. Oh, that's I'll, on my list too. Yeah, I will be going. Definitely. It's next on my list of places to try. Brilliant. Brilliant. So I'm at my last question here, Mercedes, and I am so hopeful that People will use Star Wars Celebration as an excuse, maybe uh, rephrase that as an opportunity, uh, a chance, if you will, to see uh, or venture out to Disneyland Paris because, you know, it's it's across the pond. We've got two parks here in the United States. This might be the one and only time that a lot of people in the States get to that side of the the world. And uh, I'm hopeful that they can either bookend or after their trip with uh, a, a visit to this this great park one way or the other. So what is the easiest way to make that happen? And how can interested guests get to DLP from London? I am glad you asked. It is very easy to get to DLP from London, which is great news. And the easiest way is to hop on the Eurostar. So the Eurostar is a really comfortable train that goes from London, St. Pancras, um, King's Cross, St. Pancras as well for any Harry Potter fans. Where platform nine three quarters takes uh, takes place, um, but yeah, sadly they have limited the amount of direct trains recently, which is a real shame. So if you can nab a direct train, it's going to take you two hours from London into the park. Literally, you you arrive in Disney Village. It's amazing when it works. It works phenomenally. 
Otherwise, if you can't get a direct train, you're going to have to get the Eurostar to Lille, which is a little French city, and change at Lille. And then when you change at Lille, you will be catching a slower train. It's not a Eurostar and you will be with locals. And this makes the journey about four hours long. So it does Mm. double the journey. But it's really important if you can't get that direct train, please do not make the mistake of getting a train to Paris because you can get direct Eurostars to Paris. And it is a bit of a nightmare getting from central Paris to Disneyland. It's just so busy. You can imagine how many people are using that direct London to Paris Eurostar every day. It's it's just a real horrible stress that you don't need. So if you can't get the direct train, go to Lille, change there. But hopefully you can just have a seamless two-hour door-to-door journey. I mean, how two hours to Disney, who wouldn't? That's nothing. I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's lots of really cool stuff that's just opened as well. We've got Avengers Campus. I know you're a big Marvel fan as well. And we've got two attractions now. I think we've got the most um, in an Avengers Campus. I think uh, Disneyland's has only got the one. So we've got, um, I think our version of Web Slingers is called Web Adventure, I think. Um, So we've got that. And we've also got a reimagining of the rock and roller coaster called Avengers Flight Force, which I've not been on yet, but is meant to be amazing. Oh, yes. I mean, look, I drive an hour to get a hamburger. So like just add one more hour to go experience a Disney park. Why not? And if even if at worst case scenario, it becomes four hours, like I've done stupider stuff for four hours of my time. Like, go, go enjoy. It's your vacation. Enjoy. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. The Eurostar is incredible. I mean, on a bad day, it can take me two hours to get from Brighton to London on a on a busy commute. So yeah, two hours directly into Disney Village. Definitely seize the opportunity if you have it. Absolutely. And yeah, that Disneyland Paris is only getting better and better with all the new stuff that is either on the way or stuff that's there that we don't have anywhere else. Like you mentioned, uh, uh, a, a more expanded Avengers campus. Not only is there the flight force there, the they have better like more restaurants there. If I'm not mistaken, right? There's like the 50s diner that's based off of uh, Peggy Carter and uh, the Captain America franchise. I, I think there's another restaurant yeah, there beyond we, Pim's Test Kitchen. We do. We have. I think there's a quick diner as well. We do have Pim's Test Kitchen. I don't. I haven't seen any large food in our one though. So mm. I, I'm curious to know if that's something that's on offer. But yeah, Disneyland Paris is very much on on the up and um, controversial it may be, but. I was fortunate enough to enjoy the 30th anniversary in Disneyland Paris and the 50th anniversary in Walt Disney World. And Disneyland Paris definitely had the superior celebrations. I mean, the drone show, we now have an Avengers drone yes. show as well. Like, oh, yeah. It is incredible. I can't wait for that technology to, to make it to the US because I'm sure it will. Um, but yeah, they've really outdone themselves in Disneyland Paris recently with just the shows alone. So yeah, definitely now's the time to to visit. I think it kind of holds its own against the US parks now. You got that right. I mean, I've seen a snippet of that drone show and it was almost, I was, I'm, I'm going that far. It was like life-changing for me because like I was down on drone technology before uh, and I was like, yeah, it just sounds like a bunch of bees buzzing around. Like, it just seems annoying. But they crafted a story with what they've been doing over there. So if you really get the chance, like, that's a, a once in a lifetime experience for sure. Definitely. And the other thing that DLP has that we don't have elsewhere in the world, I think, 
that will be of interest, I think, to people attending the Star Wars Celebration Convention is you all have a Indiana Jones roller coaster that I don't think it's elsewhere in the, in the globe. And with, you know, it being under the Lucasfilm umbrella and a new indie film literally coming out two, two months after the, after the convention, go ride it, <laughs> go have fun. <laughs> yeah. Not many people know about this attraction. In fact, I, I know people that have been to Disneyland Paris that didn't even know it was there. Cause it is quite hidden. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, my husband even was like, I didn't know that that was there. And I was like, well, it was closed and we went together. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it's quite, it's quite hidden. Um, it's sort of just it's in Adventureland, but kind of where Adventureland and Frontierland meet, and it is quite a way back. And um, it never has a long wait time, and it's really good. It's a proper full-on coaster. Um, when I was a teenager for a period of time, they actually changed the track so that it went backwards, which was really bizarre because it was the exact same ride. It was not designed to go backwards. I don't know why they okay. thought that was a good idea. Um, but it's forwards again now. And yeah, it's a really good coaster. It's probably one of the most thrilling coasters at the Disneyland Resort in Paris. So um, yeah, definitely ride that. Very cool. And I know you you did a recent series at Chat Disney. It may, may even be a year ago now. So I don't know if it was how recent you want to call recent, quote unquote. But I believe that you all did a segment on like first time visit, like how if you're a first time visitor to Disneyland Paris, what to do, what to see, what food to eat, what rides to do, how to do it and all that. So for those that may be heading out to Disneyland Paris, be sure to check out Chat Disney. And of course, Mercedes, please let us know how they can find Chat Disney and where to interact with you guys online. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Chat Disney UK and on everything else at Chat Disney. Sadly, Chat Disney on Twitter was taken. Um, <laughs> so that's the reason for the UK. Hey, it works. It works. It helped. Uh, it helped me figure out that you're all based in in the UK, and that led us eventually to this conversation that we're having here today. So. Thanks again for coming on the show, Mercedes. We will definitely have you back on again in the future as new things arise in the Star Wars Lucasfilm galaxy. But until then, I thank you for joining and thanks to our listeners at home for coming along the ride here and getting ready for all the fun that is going to be Star Wars Celebration. So we will be back, I believe, on Sunday with uh, a new episode. I believe this may be Mandalorian season three, episode one discussion. So you don't want to miss out on that. So be sure to subscribe, check out chat Disney, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, and, and share the show with your friends. This is going to be a great time. So let's celebrate all things that are star Wars. So until then, may the force be with you. Take care. Mm-hmm.